Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. We are finally at Friday. It's the 11th of March and I'm joined by Tom Crowley to take you through the day's news and to specifically deep dive into economic sanctions and big corporations pulling out of Russia. We'll get to that shortly, but Tom, quickly take us through the news of the day. Yesterday, Prime Minister Scott Morrison announced a $38 billion plan to boost the Australian Defence Force. It's the biggest military expansion in 40 years in a plan that will see uniformed personnel increase to 80,000 by 2040, making it the largest Australian Defence Force since the Vietnam War. In a speech yesterday, Labor leader Anthony Albanese also pledged to increase defence spending significantly with a focus on cyber security, and he criticised the government's approach to procurement of submarines. Marines. The International Monetary Fund, the IMF, has approved $1.4 billion in emergency financing for Ukraine to assist with the economic impacts of Russia's invasion. The IMF predicts Ukraine will face a deep recession this year, and earlier in the week, the World Bank also allocated over $700 million in an assistance package for Ukraine. U.S. President Joe Biden has signed an executive order instructing state agencies to research a potential digital U.S. dollar backed by its central bank. The currency would be known as the U.S. Central Bank Digital Currency, or CBDC. Finally, some Friday good news. A baby from the U.S. has successfully received a world-first combined heart and thymus tissue transplant. Dr. Joseph Turek from Duke University Hospital said of the procedure, this has the potential to change the face of solid organ transplantation in the future. For today's deep dive, I am joined by Tom Crowley, political journalist at The Daily Oz. He's waving, but you can't see him. To talk about what different economic sanctions, whether that be country-led sanctions or independent corporations withdrawing their operations from the country, has done to Russia's standing in an economic sense. So, Tom, I think a good place to start is with the US sanctions that were announced earlier this week. Can you take us through it? Yes, I can. So, thank you, Zara. It's great to be here as always. And uh, I've been on the show a couple of times now to talk about sanctions. So I'm not going to go back and go through all of them. But for those who haven't heard any of those episodes, we've seen a whole series over the last week of kind of ramping up of sanctions from a range of Ukraine's allies and sort of, if you like, tightening the screws on Russia in an economic sense. And we've talked a bit on the show about how they're starting to get pretty significant. Well, there was another big development, as you alluded to in that question from the US, who have decided to suspend all imports of Russian oil, gas and coal. And the UK has done the same for oil and they're considering doing the same for gas. So it's not quite the same big coalition of countries that we've seen do this previously. We're not seeing any European countries follow suit at this point. Is that significant though? Because does the US rely heavily on Russian oil and gas or is it more that those other countries would make a real dent in Russia's economy? Well, yeah, that's exactly right. So at the moment it is just the US and the UK doing this. They're not heavily reliant on Russian oil, gas and coal. And as you said, they're the ones who are the countries in Europe. They're the ones that haven't moved yet. And it's not surprising, you know, if your country is kind of highly reliant on Russia to get basically all of its oil, I suppose you can kind of understand in a way why a country like Germany would find it difficult to just overnight flick the switch and stop buying all of that oil. And I think that the US understands this as well. So Joe Biden said he recognised that a lot of the Western allies wouldn't be in a position to do this. But in his words, even though, you know, America's imports of these things from Russia are relatively small, it's all part of ramping up the pressure and another blow to Putin's war machine. And, and he's suggesting that this is kind 
kind of a significant step further and that they're willing to kind of keep going further and further and keep tightening those screws. So it may not be a huge headline, but it's just another step in that direction of increasing the economic pain on Russia. Would you say that given that the US isn't heavily reliant, that it is more of a symbolic move or that there is a tangible economic effect on Russia with this announcement? I think it's a question of the sum total effect of of all of these sanctions. So, you know, will this individual announcement from the US about oil, gas and coal, you know, mark a turning point in the war? No, of course not. But will the sum total of the things that the US has done make a difference? Yes, I think that they will. And the sum total of the things that the West has done, yes, I think that they will. And I think that even it's, you know, I mean, markets and the way that international investors make their decisions about Russia and where to put their money in Russia and and the way that the global economy and the Russian economy will respond, these things are in part governed by, by the expectations that are set. And so when the US president is sort of saying, look, you know, oil and gas and coal were sort of off the table before, but now we're putting them on the table and just this sort of sign of, you know, how far will they go? How far will they keep ratcheting the pressure up? The more that that starts to affect, you know, the value of Russian money, the strength of the Russian economy and fueling that kind of Russian economic crisis that we're starting to see unfold now. And so, you know, as far as your question goes, will this individual thing make a whole lot of difference? Maybe not. But I think we are pretty clearly getting to the point now where most expert analysts looking at the Russian economy are saying, you know, this is going to get really bad and there's very little the Russian government can do about it. And it's going to be a serious amount of economic pain for ordinary Russians, for Russian companies, for wealthy Russians all across the country. There'll be a lot of quite significant economic consequence for Putin's invasion. And that economic consequence is not just the result of decisions made on a political level, but also in the private sector. So what have we seen in terms of corporations withdrawing from Russian operations? Yeah, so there's been a lot of pressure on companies that operate in Russia, particularly kind of multinational companies and Western-based countries have come under a lot of pressure to pull out of Russia. A lot of them did it really early. So Netflix and Apple are a couple of examples that came to mind there as sort of early movers. And it got to the point where some of the, the companies that were left, some of the last ones left standing were really coming under pretty significant pressure. So earlier in the week, we saw campaigns to boycott McDonald's and Coca-Cola, Starbucks and Shell and a couple of other major companies. I think Nestle and Sony, the list goes on were some of the last ones who were sort of left in the country and still uh, umming and ahhing about this decision. But over the last couple of days, we've seen a little bit of a cascade of a lot of those companies pulling out their business. They do that in various ways. So McDonald's, for example, made a point of saying, look, we're going to shut the McDonald's restaurants and stop operating in Russia, but we're interested in the kind of economic security of all the people we employ in the country. So we're going to keep paying you know, the ordinary Russians who were employed at McDonald's in in Russia. You know, so there are a few shades of grey there in the way that those companies are responding. But again, you know, every every one of those major companies that decides to shut off its business, it, it just sort of ratchets up that cost a little bit more. We'll get to what the economic consequences as a whole are, but what do you see the impact of these corporations withdrawing looking like for ordinary Russians who now are caught up in this war? I think that's an interesting question. So I think it will become very, very clear to pretty much any person 
in Russia over the next couple of weeks, if it's not already, that something is wrong. This invasion has happened and something at home is going very, very bad. Of course, there are demonstrations and there are people getting arrested on the street, but in an economic sense as well, we've seen these pictures of people queuing up outside ATMs already. We've seen a lot of reports of people leaving Russia, fleeing the country. Now we're going to be seeing, you know, McDonald's will be shut and a bunch of other, you know, kind of Western companies will be shutting up shop in Russia. That's the kind of thing that even in a country where there's a lot of censorship online and where opposing views are not always aired, that's the kind of thing you notice. I think one of the key questions and and one thing that it's difficult to tell from outside Russia is who ordinary Russians will choose to blame for that? Will mm. they believe the line that the Russian government and that Vladimir mm. Putin are putting out that that this is kind of, you know, evil behaviour from the West and a, uh, an illegitimate response to a legitimate Russian action and, you know, Russia is just responding to aggression in Ukraine and the West is trying to bully them into submission. Will that line be something that the Russian public buy or will they see this invasion, you know, for what it is as a, an invasion on, on the sovereign territory of a neighbour and will they blame Putin himself for that? And then the follow-up question, if the Russian people do start to blame Putin for the economic consequences, is that something that matters to him? Is, is there any sort of democratic accountability built into what is very much not a democratic system? And will that start to affect his decision-making calculus? I think he'd be a fool to try and predict those kind of things. But certainly the greater the costs get, the, the more likely that something will give. So drawing out, do we have any figures about what Russia's economy is currently looking like? Because we, we saw interest rates soar last week, but are we seeing any sort of tangible representation of what the current financial or economic circumstance is in Russia at the moment? So it's a good question. There's some aspects of an economic crisis take a little while to see, and certainly in terms of things like, say, unemployment, which if we had a recession mm. in Australia, we would look at unemployment. Now, we don't have the Russian government saying, yes, unemployment is very high, take a look at these numbers. So in that sense, it's a little bit more difficult. One of the things that we can look at is the kind of international financial markets and how they're responding to Russia. And so, for example, the value of Russian money, the ruble, that we talked on the podcast a week or two ago about how the ruble had crashed. Well, that has remained the same. It's gotten lower and lower and it's it's sort of still at a bit of a low point. And we've seen it flow through into a few things like, for example, Russian mortgage rates, which have gone up, you know, very, very highly over the last couple of weeks and, and a few other kind of signs of, of that sort of trouble. So we, we don't as such have heaps of visibility necessarily about the ins and outs of the Russian economy as far as, you know, unemployment and business closures and that kind of thing. But we can see some signs certainly that this is starting to bite. Okay, Tom. So finally, I just want to wrap up and kind of zoom out to understand whether these economic sanctions and the moves that various governments are making is pointing us in the direction of further military action from Western nations. Like, are we any closer to understanding if NATO aligned countries would intervene militarily or whether economic sanctions are the extent to which these countries will intervene in this conflict? Another very good question. Another question that it's difficult to answer. I think still at this stage, you know, I mean, it's been going on for two weeks now. It's been getting more and more horrible, but I don't think that you could really point to anything that any Western leader has said 
that suggests that they are about to cross the line into using their own troops to, to enter this conflict. That's a pretty hard line that they've been drawing all the way along and you're hearing a lot of, you know, the Secretary General of NATO and a lot of people from the US are saying, you know, that's that would be World War Three. We can't we can't do mm. that. And so the, the, the big debate and something that we've covered, TDA, over the last few days is this question of Ukraine asking for a no-fly zone, which is a bit of a misleading term because essentially a no-fly zone is you commit to shoot down any plane that enters the airspace that you've declared a no-fly zone. So it's sort of like a bit of a soft form of military intervention. That's something Ukraine's asked for and pretty consistently NATO and the US and all of the allies have said, you know, no, that's not something we're going to consider. I think Poland being a neighbour, that there's been a little bit more talk about kind of, you know, whether Poland might might get involved in some way, but certainly in terms of the the bulk of the NATO response and the US response, no, at this stage, I don't see any suggestion that they are about to intervene militarily in Ukraine. They'll, they'll hope that the economic warfare and the other ways they have of supplying and arming the Ukrainian military will help to continue the fight for long enough that the pressure becomes too much on Putin. It's certainly something we are keeping a close eye on. And if you have any questions around this conflict, for many, it's the first time that we are seeing concepts like economic sanctions and the like being played out on a global scale. So DM us with any of the questions or clarifications that you have on this. We'll be sure to get back to you as soon as possible. Head over to our Instagram at The Daily Oz. It's where over 300,000 Aussies get their news every day. We'd love to have you over there. And thanks for joining us today.